Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Hi and welcome to the latest episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, eating, mindful eating for families, adults, children, super important for your health, for your gut, your digestive system, how you taste the food, appetite, absolutely everything. Yet it's really confusing. Most people switch off. They get concerned when they hear the word. So we thought we would bring you in another expert. I'm delighted to be joined by Ashing Larkin from Food Uppy. And she's going to tell us absolutely everything we need to know with lots of tips and lots of content and maybe a little bit of mindfulness and meditation towards the end. We're going to see how we go. Ashling, welcome to the Thank Real Health Podcast. Carl. Thanks, Mel. It's great to be here. How is life? Good. Life is busy. I'm a busy mama to three under six at the moment. So life is <laughs> life is busy. But um, yeah, I'm I'm using my mindful practice to kind of get me through some of the days. These it's you busy. want it at three under six. Okay, wow, yeah. that's 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 hardcore. Yeah, there's a lot of deep breathing in my house these <laughs> days. You know, just to just to get you through the breakfast and the school run. <laughs> um, talk food oppy. Where did the name come from? Food oppy is um, it is a it's it kind of has an element of Finnish um, and it has an element of Irish. So obviously, it's all about food. And then oppy is um, a Finnish word, which means an education of or a study of. So what um, myself and my co-founder, Louise Lennox, wanted to do was basically come together and bring, I guess, all of our skills and all of what we know to engage families in food and actually teach them about food, how to connect with food and build like a really positive relationship with food. Kids are our future. They're the next generation. We have a chance to really influence them in the most positive ways and give them the grounding that they need to have, exactly as I said, a positive relationship with food going forward. So um, I spent a lot of time last year over in Helsinki, actually working with the University of Helsinki over there, looking at, they have the world's best food education program um, and system. And it was amazing to, I commuted over and back for six months. So I would go for a week at a time um, and worked with the university over there and the most amazing, inspirational leaders in this area, I guess. And it was phenomenal to see their cultural attitudes to food, their family life around food and just how they do it. Um, What's so different to what we have here? Uh, they take time. They, 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 are, they kind of have a very relaxed attitude toward food. Nothing is off the table. They don't have these elements of good food and bad food. It's just a little bit of everything moderation there's no real you know restrictions around food and it's very very positive they spend time together they try and have their meals together or certainly some meals together every day and there's um there's a respect a respect for the food a respect for kind of nourishment for their body as well which is really important and of course they're world leaders in anti-obesity and reversing the obesity yes. trends they're one of the few in the globe who are managing yep. to do that we know that from from research and stats and stuff that we're seeing absolutely and they have programs that start as young as preschool um and go all the way up through school so i spent a lot of time with the minister for food education over there and then with the equivalent of their food safety authority and looking at all of the programs that they implement and the funding that goes into it and how how they do it in schools, but also in family life. And they feed the kids every day. They get their main meal in school and it's it's simple and it's traditional food. And they're very embedded in their cultures of their food and where their food has come from and their terroir and stuff like that. And they have a salad. So they start with a salad. A lot of it is kind of to do with the environment as well. And they look at the room 
um, that they're in and how the room is designed and the space and the adults eat with the children. Um, and like I said, they start with a salad bar. So they fill up their plate with their salad or their veggies first. Then there's always a vegetarian option. Then there's like a, a meat option. Um, they drink a milk that's almost like a soured kind of milk. Oh, like um, kefir. Yes. Yeah and water really into sustainable eating they do their recycling and yeah it's it's phenomenal it was it was amazing to kind of work with them for the six months this year and just to see it all happen so like anything you want to be good at something you find people who are good at it you go over you pick the brains and you find that the top tips and the top bits (laughs) and then you come back and you spread the word and preach the word locally yeah and louise and i went to um texas last year so we went to the children's hospital over there and trained in pediatric feeding therapy so a lot of children have um you know, I guess a not positive relationship with food. And it's very much about looking at how you can engage them with their senses around food and kind of that sensory food and getting them to adjust and like new foods and taste new foods and love new foods. So that was a big part of our our training as well. And then I undertook, I'd been kind of doing mindful eating for quite a while. And um, I trained then with the Centre for Mindful Eating to be a mindful eating coach. Where do you add find the time? Seriously. Know, yeah, it's, it's busy. I'm a busy lady. I like I like to be busy, but I am channeling my, my inner zen, I can tell you these days. Okay, mindful eating. For, yeah. I've, you read about it. It's in all the papers over the last kind of six, eight, ten months there, there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's a real, it's a buzzword. What is it essentially and how can people do it? First of all, it is not a diet. It is not a new fad or a new trend. I guess it's something that's based in really old, like Buddhist philosophies. Um, It is, for me, one of the most simple, realistic, practical approaches to food and eating. And really simply, it's about using meditation or guided meditation to quieten your mind, to give your mind a little bit of space and a little bit of time to process what's going on, to bring an awareness to what you're doing and why you're doing it, and then to very mindfully and consciously do what you're going to do, which is eat the food or not eat the food. So this is pre-meal. So before you've eaten anything, you're going into a kind of mindful state. Absolutely, yeah. So you're basically bringing awareness to the situation. And I guess in today's always on world, it's super busy and everybody is really distracted. And I I think for me, the problem is kind of twofold when you look at it. It's number one, a lot of times you eat on the go or at your desk in between emails or nibbling off the leftovers on the children's plate or whatever it is. And Sometimes you're eating and you're not actually hungry. And a lot of times we don't tune into that inner cue of what hunger really, really is. Um, and we're eating to satisfy or to nourish our bodies in another way. And maybe it can be as something as simple as, you know, you need to check into your spirituality or your emotional connection or your another physical need. Maybe you're just tired instead of, of actually hungry. So it's not tuning into that hunger. And then the second part is when we do actually eat, we do it very mindlessly. So we're distracted. We've got our phone out or we're watching the kids or we're watching TV. You were at the cinema or something like that. So it's it's twofold. And it's about bringing that simple, calm awareness to what we do. That makes sense. It does. It's, in, it's incredibly sensible when you say it out loud and you hear it and you go through the process. And yet you look around you on a daily basis, even listening to this podcast, if you're commuting, as so many of you do, because we launch at seven in the morning every Thursday. So you'd be on the train. Um, I see it if I drive into work late, late for me would be seven or eight o'clock. And you're looking around, you people coming out of train stations and bus stations and there's the donuts and there's the whatever and there's the can of monster and it, it, there's the phone and the other hand and the back. It's mayhem. Mm-hmm. Absolute mayhem, and you know that those calories are going in with, without any real awareness of the fact that they're actually going in. They're just empty. 
Absolutely. And I think a key area of mindful eating is discernment. And it's really tuning into a that that hunger in your body, but also then it's it's like quality over quantity. Nothing's off the table. You can eat and and try everything, but but you do it mindfully. And we have some, I guess, tools and strategies as part of the program um, where you tune into your inner wisdom and your outer wisdom. So your inner wisdom is where you're looking at those hunger cues, understanding what hunger feels like for you, what satiety or satisfaction with food feels like um, and what fullness feels like. And then the other side of that is where you're looking at your like your outer wisdom, which is going, OK, this is empty calories. I know that this is not going to sustain me. This is not going to keep me full for a long time. So you do have to reach out to the outer wisdom of nutrition and the the information that dietitians give us and all of that information is is key to being sensible and practical about how you make your choices. But you make your choices. Um, you do it consciously, you do it with awareness and you live by your choice. You, what, what you choose, you choose essentially. And then after that, it kind of goes to that place of self-compassion, a little bit of loving kindness, a little bit of care, and then gratitude as well is a huge part of it. Um, so I ate a donut this morning uh oh, and you just have to go and that's OK. End your sentence with and that's OK. A huge part of disordered eating in this respect leads to this area of um, what we call chaining or reactivity. I've blown it. Uh oh, I ate the donut. That's it. My whole day is ruined. I'm done for. Now I'm going to spiral out of control. You bring back that mindful piece. You bring awareness to it. I've done it and that's OK. You let it go and you start again and you start afresh for the next meal or the next snack. Okay, so one of the first key lessons then in the conversation so far is that it's drawing a line in the sand, moving on. It's not the end of the world if you had a bad meal slash day slash whatever and just move on as quickly as you can. The longer you leave it, the bigger it becomes. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I think that discernment piece as well, that when you become more in tune with your body and through the program, there's a lot of guided meditations one of them is the body scan where you check in with your hunger. Another one then is where you begin to identify foods that you love, that you, you genuinely love. They bring you pleasure. They bring you enjoyment. They bring you satisfaction and satiety. And then it's about choosing, as I said, quality over quantity. So I'm going to have a small portion of this or then, you know, it's well, I've got a busy day. I need something for nourishment, more sustainable foods. And it's combining both of those things. So it's it's having common sense as well about everything in your decisions. Okay, I'm putting it to families then and children. Mm -hmm. So uh, how does this become applicable for them and what tools can we give our listeners to get their children eating healthier and eating more mindfully? There's Yeah, there's so many. I think when I started out, um, I felt that having my kind of my time to meditate and it, the meditations are super quick. You can do them in like 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. And it's like a muscle, I guess. The more meditations you do, the more you stretch your mind and the more you get into it. Um, but yeah, when I started, it was very much I needed to find a quiet room and do this on my own. And then I'd have, you know, kids playing and shouting. And it was very difficult. So you have to for me personally, I had to bring it out into the family. And I think a lot of people will have to do that. Little things like gratitude when you sit down to the table, you know, just, oh, my God, this looks delicious. How grateful are we that we have such a lovely meal? It's about connecting a little bit with think of the sunshine that was needed to grow this food. Think of the water, the soil, the earth. Think of the people. Think of the love and the kindness that went into looking after this food, growing this food. Um, and I think that also leads to kind of that sustainable nature of eating because you become so much more respectful of the ingredients that you have and the food that you have. And for us, we kind of do, you know, one or two days where it's like 
plant-based dinners as opposed to all meat dinners in a week. Um, and it's it's that respect for for animals and for food. Um, so that's a big part of it. Okay, so eating together as a unit, mm-hmm. having a little bit of time before the meal, which is all, almost like uh, being mindful when, in terms of the gratitude piece, where yes. it's being the awareness piece. We're going to have a meal. It's relaxing the body before the meal, and then you start into the meal. Absolutely. And then some of the, the simple top tips, I guess, are no distractions. You know, turn off the TV, put the phones away, the iPads are gone. Um, and then as well as that, it's about like some of the most basic things are drop your fork in between each each bite or each mouthful. Um, or you can you know challenge yourself, use your weaker hand or use chopsticks some days to make it more fun and make it more playful. A huge part use as well. Use your weaker hand. I like yeah, that. There's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's good because it just forces you to slow down. And then a little bit of focus and a little bit of concentration on what you're eating. The multi-sensory piece is huge as well. Um, and that's a really big piece of what we do at Foodopi. Um, and it's very much about understanding the color, the texture, the flavor of the food. Um, the classic, if anybody's heard of mindful eating, the classic thing is this raisin. So you taste a raisin and you eat a raisin mindfully. Um, and it's one of the most, it kind of bugs me a little bit because it's one of the most basic things that just starts you off with mindful eating. And it's so much more than that. It really is this like journey of self-discovery, I guess, and transformation. But by doing the raisin activity, it you, you look at the food first, you smell the food, you observe the color of the food. Then you bring the food up to your nose, you smell the food and you put the food into your mouth. I'm not saying in reality, every family is going to do That's that at question. every meal. That's my exactly yeah. my question. So people listening in are thinking, ah, oh, seriously, hold on now. I have a really Something. busy day today. If I get breakfast, I'm doing really well. Uh, by the time lunch comes around, I have 20 million emails to get back to. I have a load of things going on. I get yeah. the food into me as quickly as I can. I'm not going to... What are your tips for those kind of people then who are start, who want to maybe start eating better? Because we know the benefits and we, we yeah. on the podcast we're screaming them nearly every, every couple yeah. of weeks about how good it is to slow down your eating and so on and so forth. What's the simplest way and the, the quickest way to start people off who are that busy, who are flat out and think, you know what, okay, today I'm going to try and improve my eating a little bit. What's the, 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 the first thing to do, first tips to do? There's a great... It's just like a simple mini meditation um, where you just check in. Take 30 seconds and just take a deep breath in, hold that breath, let it out, get yourself feeling grounded and centered and just think for like two or three seconds, am I actually hungry? Am I reaching for this food because I am hungry or is it because I'm looking for something else? And that's you have to tune into that inner hunger. If you only eat when you're hungry, you're going to be on a far more relaxed and better path with your food. So I think that's hugely important. Just doing that check in first. And then if you are hungry, you're choosing a food, again, quality over quantity, a food that you love, a food that brings you joy, fulfillment, nourishment and happiness. And then even if you can only eat that first bite mindfully, just stop, smell the food, let the aromas go up your nose, in through the back of your mouth, look at the colour, appreciate what you have in front of you, that teeny tiny little bit of gratitude eat that first bite, give it 15 or 20 chews, appreciate that much. And actually, even that in itself, done in 30, 45 seconds, will ground you and then allow you to continue the meal, even if it's just a little bit slower starting off. And it is, it's a practice that needs practice. It has to be practiced um, in order to kind of really embody it and to it to become a habit in your daily life. Yeah, the, 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 the key thing I love there is that question, am I hungry or not? If you do one thing to start with, that's the one to start with. Totally. Before you have the chocolate bar or the whatever it is, the donut or whatever, ask yourself, am I hungry or not? And just 
give yourself five, ten seconds to make the decision and make the choice. And it's a really simple way to ensure that you're getting the food that you actually need. Folks, as always, you are listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. This is the mindful eating episode, and it's absolutely fascinating so far with Ashing Larkin from Food Oppy. So that's a lovely starting point. The hungry not get that, and then going to tasting and the smelling, so on and so forth. Um People who have children that are fussy eaters or yeah. don't want to eat certain foods or just refusing to eat certain foods, yeah. where what where do they go? What do they what, what should they do? It's they very common. We they, see it all the time. Absolutely. They come to us first and foremost. Um <laughs> and second of all, starting it's really that sensory piece. So we're starting with the sensory. Um it's very much about creating a very relaxed, a very calm atmosphere. You take the pressure off, there's no nagging. You're trying to just have start from where your child is at. Appreciate their discomfort in the situation, appreciate why they might be nervous about trying a new food. There's a multiple of reasons which we can delve into and which we do with families. But it's it's just for a parent at home, if you just want a couple of top tips, give them a break, just kind of relax the situation a little bit, chill out. And what we always try and do is start with foods that they like, um, foods that they, that they love, and a food that's new or a little bit different. And you, once you have that selection in front of you, then it's very easy to there's always choice for the child. It's not just, here's one option, I don't like it, I'm not eating it. For picky kids or fussy eating kids, sometimes it's really important for them that their food isn't mixed up. They like components to be separate. Pasta not touching meat, meat not touching vegetables, vegetables not touching fruit or sauce. So keep it separate. There's a core philosophy at Foodopi, which is family style dining. It's where you serve your food in the middle of the table, and then everybody helps themselves. Oh, so yeah. for portion control, it's really good because most instances you take a small amount. And if you're still hungry and this feeds into your mind feeding, you can come back and take a second portion if you want. Um, Plus it's an easier way to serve up dinner. Absolutely. For whoever is making it, absolutely. be it parents or nannies or whoever. Totally. There might be a little bit more wash up at the end, but actually genuinely the impact is is, is not anything bad at all. Um, so yes, yeah, serve everything in the middle. And then, as I said, you have the food that you know is safe for the child, that the child likes to eat. And then you've got a food that, okay, we've had this a couple of times. I think I liked it. I'm not really sure. Did I like this, mum? Give it a go. And then you've got the, oh, hang on, I've never seen this before. This is a new one. Um, And it's give it a go. So it's that attitude of curiosity. And that, again, comes very much from that mindful eating piece. It's be, be be an explorer, be curious, be creative about your food. And then it is very much about the sensory. So giving them different options with textures and tastes so a lot of kids don't like steamed carrots or mashed carrots but they love raw carrots if it were, if it's with hummus or something like that so it's about exploring the texture of food the taste of food lots of different colors as well making it look really really interesting for them and then there's another i suppose core element which i do on the six o'clock show the whole time which is building in these layers of flavor or umami into food which is super super important um so umami just to explain it is a Japanese word um, and it basically means a savoury deliciousness. So you want to give your child the best chance possible to eat food and to eat wholesome, nourishing food. And if you can make it delicious, then you're at a really good starting point. Um, So yeah, umami is naturally present in lots of different foods like um, fish, mushrooms, meat, vegetables, pulses, beans, tomatoes. And then if you age a food or you fortify that food um, or ferment the food, it becomes your levels of umami increase. So that delicious savouriness increases. 
um, and it's a brilliant way of just making food that that tastes delicious that people want to eat more of. Umami. Umami. Yeah, it's a great word. There's your new it? word for today, I folks. Love it. If you're listening in, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. Very cool. Um, foods as rewards. Nope. No. Just no. Just no. That's it. Simple stance. No. Nope. Adults do it. Children do it. Nope. Grandparents do it. Reward yourself it. with something else that is nourishing and that is good for your soul. Reward yourself with something else that is good for you and makes you happy. It does not have to be food. Food is food. That's all food is. It is an object that exists. It's our relationship to food and how we deal with food, how we look at food. That's what's important. So no. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> if you reward your children with food, maybe not. Although, well, well, it says he. Well, we have we haven't got to that stage yet. We have a twelve week old, so it's a little different. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest challenge you're facing now in terms of what you're seeing? So you work with schools, you work with adults uh, in terms of getting them to eat better. What's the hardest? It's it's, it's social media. Is it advertising? Yeah. What's the biggest challenge? Or what's the it's, what, it's that? What it's the mixed messages. It's the confusion. There is... Because it is confusing as oh, an area. Oh, yeah. there's so much noise. There's so much confusion. It's just... It's it's so hard for this generation of children growing up looking at the likes of Instagram and seeing all of these hashtags, you know, and it's just what's healthy and what's not. They're looking at body shapes and body types, thinking that this is what I have to look like. This is what I should look like. This is what this person eats. You know, they hear about detoxes and cleanses and fads and all of these things. And it's just about taking it, stripping all that noise away and bringing it back to the most simple, simple level, which what we do is that very multi-sensory piece. It's about just reconnecting with the food and just trying to just keep it simple. Think of like, I know it's kind of an age old thing, but what your grandparents did, you know, trying to step away from the highly processed foods, trying to do the best you can at every meal and try and keep something real natural foods within those meals as well. Okay, so it's pulling everything back to real uh, short shelf lives, food that you have to prepare yourself, cook yourself, Absolutely. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Great. As always, folks, thank you very much for listening in to the Real Help podcast. A big thank you to Ashling Lurkin from Food Oppy. If people want to find out more about you, Ashling, where do they go? What do they do? Yeah, at uh, Twitter, it's Ash Larkin and Food Oppy. And on Instagram, we are Food Oppy. We've got foodoppy.com and eatingmindfully.ie. There you go. Check Ashing out on all those platforms. Folks, as always, if you have any questions, do let us know. It's realhealth at independent.ie, at carlhenrypt on Twitter and on Instagram. And as ever, we will be back next week with some more fascinating guests and fascinating insights into the world of health. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.